I was always a fan of the Peanuts comic strip growing up, and one of the panels that I remember, I, I tried looking for the particular comic strip and I couldn't find it, but it shows Charlie Brown sitting in a school desk and uh, in his normal dismayed expression as he's got this test in front of him, he says, uh, the more I learn, the more I learn how much I have to learn. Wise words from Schultz, actually, right? You know, rather than Charlie Brown. We're going to look at a verse tonight in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 9 that carries the spirit of that realization that we're never done learning. In fact, the, the longer we learn, the more we realize the void of understanding that we all have. And uh, Proverbs 9.9 9 is among the verses in, in the book of Proverbs that, that speak to this. And we're going to be looking at a few of those in cross-reference as well as some other verses from other places. But I want to talk tonight about having a teachable spirit. Notice what the Bible says here. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. For us to further ourselves, there needs to be a good foundation, right? Uh, I remember when Danny and Sarah bought their house, one of the things they shared was the original owner said, hey, when we built this Carolina room, uh, we, we put the foundation in with footers so that if you ever wanted to turn it into an actual walled room, like an addition, you could do that. Well, that showed some, some forethought. There was a good foundation so there could be furtherance down the road. Well, our foundation has to be Christ. We have to have that fundamental relationship with Christ so that we have endued with us the Holy Spirit so that as we open up our Bibles or as we just go through life and we're trying to take apart situations and figure things out uh, that we can decipher things on the basis of truth. Notice that we are beginning with a certain caliber of person in this verse. It talks about the fact that he is a, he is, present tense, he is a wise man. He's, he's not a self-described wise man. You know, it's, it's easy for someone to pronounce themselves to be wise but obviously, if the Bible's saying he's wise, there's, there's something to demonstrate. He has credentials in that way. He's not someone who has arrived, if we can put it that way. But he's someone who has begun to strive correctly in the quest for truth and understanding. That's a wise person. A wise, a wise person isn't a know-it-all uh, there, there isn't really such a person other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he is the essence of, of absolute wisdom. We understand that. But Solomon and all of his wisdom still had some lacks. I mean, my goodness, just look at his life, and you see that for all that wisdom, he made some of the biggest mistakes of anybody, didn't he? But as we look at verse 10, the very next verse, it talks about how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so if a person is going to start with reverential awe, if we could use that to talk about fear here rather than just 
It, this is not a, a shyness, uh, a skittishness, but the fear of the Lord is an appropriate respect, if you would, of God. And when we have that, we are going to naturally be more submissive to the truth that he sends our way. Ah, better listen, right? Because this is God speaking is the idea. So we're, we're more prone to absorb it as we uh, come in contact with it. This kind of individual we're looking at tonight is wise enough to know that he needs more wisdom. He, he doesn't come to the place in his life, he's like, well, got that figured out, you know. He's like, well, I've, I've read my Bible. I've heard someone say one time, you know, well, you need to read your Bible. Well, I read the Bible through once. Once? <laughs> Seems like the more I read it, the more I, how did I miss that? And, and, I, and a, a lot of that has to do with, not that the truth changes, but the relevance of the truth illuminates based on our current situations and circumstances, which is always changing, isn't it? So therefore, and, and our understanding is changing. That's why, you know, journaling or making a diary, you know, writing things down, keeping records. And I've tried to do that off and on over the years. And it's, it's interesting, somewhat embarrassing sometimes to go back for me and read what I wrote 10, 20 years ago, uh, even to pull up like a, a sermon and, and, to, and to see it. It's like, wow, I preached that at Anchor Baptist Church, those poor people, you know. And I, and I realized the Lord has been teaching me, you know. I've been learning. I've been growing you know, all along the way, which I thank the Lord for. So this wise Biblically wise man, when he comes into contact with uh, people's input, you're always going to find people that want to give you their input, right? Uh, people share their ideas. Uh, it's an experience that you encounter. It may not even be a particular person speaking to you, but you just go through an experience. And if we have this perspective of wanting to be taught, wanting to acquire more wisdom, then the way we will filter all of those things will be radically different than, than a lost person or even a believer who is not engaged in this like they should be. This kind of person knows that there's room for improvement and therefore he has a teachable spirit. And I think that's something we need to pray for all of us Lord, help me to always maintain a teachable spirit. Help me to always know that you have more for me to learn. So if we want to be wise, a teachable spirit is a non-negotiable. And so first of all, let's, let's talk about the consequences of lacking a teachable spirit. So let's, let's see the warnings, if we could, in this regard. Uh, one is the admonition, or I'm sorry, the abomination of our prayer lives. You know, everybody wants to have a prayer life. Everybody wants to talk to God, and we can. But the quality of a person's prayer life is contingent on certain things. Now, I know that we can come boldly through uh, Jesus Christ as our high priest. I understand that. But can there be any natural inclination, if we could use a an analogy from modern times, uh, if you were to be a worker at a business and 
you as an employee were to go to your employer and make a request, what would be the incentive for him to grant that request? Hey, can I, can I get some time off uh, so I can spend with my family around this really busy season? I know you're not really wanting to give people time off, uh, paid time off right now, but I would really appreciate it. If, if that employee that's asking that question is the kind of employee that has regularly been called on the carpet for flagrantly disregarding company policies, I would say there's a good chance that that employer, unless he's just really generous, if he's really gracious, is not going to be inclined to give any special favors for this person. Proverbs 28.9 tells us, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, talking about God's law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. So if I'm going to take, or if you're going to take a, a, a spirit of saying, yes, I know that the word of God has some things that it wants to do to direct me in my personal life, but I don't really want to hear it. Oh, by the way, God, I, I really need your help here. And the, and the Bible says, God hearing a prayer from someone that's taking that kind of position, that kind of prayer is an abomination to him. It's like an insult to God for us to show up with our needs or our wants or our wish list, if you would, when we're not willing to heed what he's telling us, which, by the way, is really for our own good anyway. It's when he's put something in the word of God for us to follow it's not because God's a big meanie. It's because he knows this is what will help our lives to operate properly. So be careful of suggesting, God, I want you to supply my need, but I'm not willing to submit to your guidance in my life. That's an abominable prayer life. And that's, that comes when we lack a teachable spirit in our lives. Another consequence is, the aggravation of a profitable life. Everybody wants to have a life that it counts, that we're you know, making some sort of uh, meaningful contribution. And yet, as we try to do that, we will find often that that gets aggravated. We don't always you know, have the discernment to pick up that it's actually God that's working in this way but remember how the Israelites would drift away from the Lord I and mean, we could take different scenarios but they they would ultimately come across some sort of circumstantial chastening it could be God shutting up the, the, the skies from raining and hey in an agricultural society if you didn't get rain you were hurting your crops would wither up and you know, die, and now you not only can you not have food, but you don't have the monetized way of providing your other needs as well. I mean, how are you going to keep up the insurance premiums on your chariot, right? You know, if you can't uh, have money coming in. And so we could go on and talk about how they might have a, a marauding nation come in and put them under uh, some sort of bondage where they have to pay tribute. And it was during those times that they began to squirm and realize 
you know, why are we going through all this? Well, we walked away from God. You know, we decided that we didn't need to listen to God. And we lost, whether they said it this way, they lost their teachable spirit. They became wise in their own eyes. We can handle this. And so God had to take them down a couple notches, if you would. Deuteronomy 28, 23, God even warned them. He said, And the heavens that is over thy head shall be brass, and the earth that is under thee shall be iron. Hey, when, when you start serving false gods, when you go away from me, which they did, they followed after Baal and other, other scenarios like that, and they had the high places, God brought these things about circumstantial chastening. The principle extends beyond just agriculture, the fact that it doesn't rain. Uh, for instance, he talks about how they stopped tithing in the book of Malachi. And, and then God says, you know, I'm going to put holes in your purses. Now, that's probably a metaphor. It didn't mean that they were walking along and all of a sudden, you know, the canvas bag just sprung a leak and the coins fell on the ground. But it was that while they were trying to, you know, not give to God so that they would have the money so that they could do whatever it was they were going to do, you know, they found themselves, oh, the roof needs fixed and this needs to happen and my child needs braces now and, you know, certain things that do normally come about, but, but God was in his divine providence bringing things to take away, siphon off, the very money that they were holding back from him. On the other hand, if they had given and trusted the Lord with the first fruits of their increase, he would have opened up the windows of heaven and poured a blessing out on them. And so there is aggravation to having a profitable life. You have a profitable life if you just trust the Lord, obey him, be faithful, and remain with a teachable spirit. There's also a consequence of what I would call the nullification of a purposeful life. A person who repeatedly will not respond to God's truth will eventually come to a pitiful end. Case example, Pharaoh in Egypt, right? Time and time again, there comes Moses and Aaron with the word of the Lord. He hears what Jehovah God has to say. And yet, Pharaoh hardened his heart. I think of King Saul. You know, he, he starts off seemingly pretty humble. You know, oh, I can't be king. You know, he's even hiding himself when he needs to be doing his, his monarch duties. But how quickly he changes to where, you know, he doesn't have any respect for God and God's laws and the prophet of God and takes things upon himself. You see, he lost sight of his purpose in life because he lost his teachable spirit. Pharaoh may never have had a teachable spirit, likely, as far as God is concerned. Proverbs 29, 1 says in this category, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Wow. Talk about the consequences of a non-teachable spirit. That is the epitome of what we're talking about there. A person with a hard or stiff neck is one that has his focus oriented as he pleases. He's not willing to turn as, as God would want to steer his attention is perhaps the, the way this description is designed to be. I have a different path for you to take. I'm doing this way, God. I'm stiff in my neck. 
I'm hard in my heart. Don't try to convince me other ways. A person that holds tenaciously to that is going to meet with ruin. Just imagine if we tried to steer our cars in the same way that sometimes we steer our lives. I am not changing direction. I don't, I don't care if there are concrete barriers that were, are there now that weren't there before. That'd be pretty foolish, wouldn't it? Well, you know, people wreck their lives because they're not willing to be taught by the one that wants to govern the paths that we travel down. Well, let's talk about the benefits, though. We talked about the consequences, and hopefully that kind of shows up the warning signs. It's like, yes, okay, bad news to not have a teachable spirit. But let's dangle the proverbial carrot of enticement, if we would. How am I benefited by having a teachable spirit? Well, number one, kind of goes along with it, I'll be open. And there is a blessing to a sense of openness. For instance, in Proverbs 1.5, it says, A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. You know, it really is a blessing to be able to continue to receive into yourself more truth. I mean, it's a joy. I, I find it a great blessing to read my Bible, but to open up and find good Christian reading material and for God to show me fresh things that come into my mind and, and good understanding so that, number one, I find it just absolutely exciting. I learned this about God. I saw this about His attributes, about how He is, or how I can then you turn around and use that to help me to walk more faithfully. Or God will use it in my life to help me to exhort and to encourage and edify someone else. So there's a great joy of remaining open to being uh, a, a receiver of God's truth. There is a process of absorbing and apprehending truth. For instance, and we might even, I, I kind of think of them as levels. There is Truth revealed, for instance, and this is where the truth hits us. We're, we're just exposed to a truth statement. Then there is the receiving of that truth. You know, it's one thing to, to hear it. You know, oh, I heard this. It's another thing to, to actually take that to yourself. Then there's the recognizing of that truth. Uh, if, if we could talk about this being maybe like a coin. This is the coin is seen. That's the truth that's been revealed. Oh, there's a nice coin. Then the person that is holding it out in front of me places it in my hand. So now that's truth that's been received. And then I, I look at the coin in my hand. And I'm like, oh, you know, this is a, a rare, you know, gold coin of some sort. I'm not a you know, a coin collector, but, you know, you look at it, you begin to appreciate that. There's a recognition going on. And we do that with truth, hopefully, as we're reading our Bibles or as we're dissecting life and seeing God's truth come to us. Then there's the respecting of truth. There's a sense in which I'm looking at this coin, recognizing what it is, and there's an excitement to it or if I recognize that it's a counterfeit, for instance, there's a disappointment to it. I'm going to respect what I'm going to determine about this. And then 
there is the coin being saved, holding on to it. And this is the idea of me responding to truth. What am I going to do with it? Because truth is only as good as I put it into practice somehow. Lord, you know, he doesn't want us just to be sponges for sponges' sake. Lord, you taught me this. Help me to be a good steward of it. And the coin is a good analogy because the Lord used talents to talk about how uh, he trusts into our hands certain things. Well, what about the truth that he puts into our hands? What do we do with it? We don't ever want to become just Christians that love, like, oh, you know, I love coming to church and just listening to a sermon or listening to a men's devotional or a lady's Bible study. How am I now able to exercise myself? How am I now able to utilize that? Am I actually not just having my ears tickled? As it talks about the end times, people will heap themselves teachers having itching ears. But am I actually putting my truth in productivity? So we will be open. That is a definite uh, plus. Matthew Henry said on this point, We can never employ our faculty of hearing better than in hearkening to the word of God, and we deserve to lose it if we do not employ it to this purpose. Those who will not hear the call of God now will wish at length they had never heard it, had a capacity of hearing anything at all. Uh, Jameson Fawcett and Brown in his commentary said, Every man hath an ear, quotes, talking about the verse in the Bible that talks about Jesus Uh, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Every man hath an ear, naturally, but he alone will be able to hear spiritually to whom God has given the hearing ear. It is something that God has to divinely cultivate inside of us. And so this is where prayer comes. Wisdom is not something that we're just going to arrive at on our own. It is a gift of God. A natural man will not acquire biblical wisdom but a christian man has that opportunity not only will you be open but hopefully you'll be obedient think of all the times people did not realize the benefit of god's power until after they moved into obedience for instance in joshua 3 we have the story of the the israelites and the coming to the jordan river the jordan river parted as the priests stepped down, didn't it? There was that point of obedience, and then they fully grasped the truth of what was going on there. They were told the truth, but now they're experiencing it. The lepers in Luke 17 were healed as they went to show themselves to the priest. The nobleman's son in John 4 was restored to life as he returned home. And so I think there, there is a principle that God gives to us truth. God gives to us a measure of wisdom. And then he wants to see, are you going to be obedient with it? Are you going to do with it as I intended for you to do with it? Or are you just going to tuck it away and say, that was nice, and go on? And you're really no different. You're like the natural, you know, the man that beheld his natural face in the glass. You straightway forgot what kind of person you were. John 7, 17 says, If any man will do his will, the Father, it's implied, then he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. In other words, Jesus is saying, 
for you to gain discernment about what's really going on as far as am I am who I am who I say I am, you need to already have a spirit that says, I'm teachable. I want to know the truth. If we will do what we know, if we'll just start with that, then we will know what we are doing. Convincing comes after commencing sometimes. Convincing comes sometimes after commencing begins. There's one more uh, blessing that I see about being having a teachable spirit, and that's, uh, if I could put it this way, a sense in which we'll be ornate. There's something attractive, really, about a person with a teachable spirit. By the way, isn't there something repulsive about someone that doesn't have a teachable spirit? One of the most attractive and admirable qualities uh, is uh, having this teachable spirit is mentioned in Proverbs 25, verse 12. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. Nobody, we often say this, nobody likes confrontation. It's difficult. That's only really true when you're just looking at the, uh, the difficulty of the surface encounter. We always have to look beyond that to the soul and to the purpose of the confrontation, so to speak. I'm going one-on-one. -on -one. I'm going to have to have this conversation with someone. I'm not looking forward to it, but... I'm praying that they'll receive this well because I really love this brother. I really love this sister in Christ. And this is perhaps just a blind spot in their life. And, you know, so I'm going with a spirit of meekness, considering myself, lest I also someday be tempted, as the Bible says. And so a teachable person has an obedient ear. In other words, they're already saying, I plan to put into action truth when I hear it. That's what an obedient ear is talking about here. And so when a wise reprover, and reprover is kind of a negative word, isn't it? But that it, all important word in front of it, real wisdom is coming with it. Then how does he look at that? You know, I'm so glad you came. It's just your words are like me putting on a piece of jewelry. Now, when's the last time that someone has just really, really thanked you for bringing something to their attention. And I can think of a couple situations like that. And, and there's been a few times where there was almost a hesitancy. Well, I almost wasn't going to say anything. But then later they come around and say, I'm really glad that you did. Maybe, maybe they weren't, maybe they didn't have the, the, uh, the right obedient ear at the time, but God convicted them later and they got the obedient ear, and they're reflecting back on what you said earlier, and now they're saying, wow, that was like a gold earring to me. Thank you so much for that. We really appreciate that. So we really want to shop in God's jewelry store is the point when it comes to truth. Implementing ideas that are not necessarily our own. In other words, does it have to come out of our own thinking, or can we say, yeah, that was really good? Have a teachable spirit. Graciously accepting criticism. Ouch. <laughs> but taking it and saying, you know what? Maybe there's truth to that. 
if that will help me become a better and more faithful servant for Christ, then praise God for what you had to say. Evaluating input and making adjustments. You know, I, I do need to make some changes. Accepting that my way may not be best. By the way, I just got a, a shipment of, of books for the Resource Center, and one, one of them I hadn't read yet, but I read the reviews on it, and I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure this is going to be good. And so I quick read it this afternoon when it came in. But the title is very convicting because it says Crazy Lazy by Alistair Begg. And it's just about 35 pages long. So it's convicting to start to read it and not finish it for that reason, you know, when it's a book about laziness. But as I was sitting there reading this very succinct and every word measured uh, in this book, which is basically take, talking about the sluggard and the slothful in the book of Proverbs, I found my thinking, ouch, man, he's... He's, he, just, he just got me, you know? I mean, I would, have, I, would, I would have thought I was a pretty industrious kind of guy, you know? But he is just nailing me. And I, I, No, he's not nailing me. The Word of God is nailing me. But I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm glad that I saw this revealed in me. I'm glad that this was pointed out to me. Now, it's a blessing to be able to do that rather than to go on and say, don't say anything varies from what I'm already thinking. That is not a blessed life. That is not a joyful life. We need to be able to address the problems no matter how hard they are. And God will often, he could just reveal it to us, couldn't he? He could just give us a vision or have it occur to us. But why does he often have it come from an annoying preacher's sermon, for instance, you know? Or someone, you know, a radio broadcast or, or a devotional from one of your brothers or sisters in Christ or, or whatever it might be. Because you know what? Part of the, the sanctifying process is being able to humbly be able to add it into our lives on that basis. And so tonight as we talk about and consider this whole concept of having a teachable spirit and we go to prayer tonight. May our goal be to have spirits that say, I do need to grow in God's grace. I do need to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. 2 Peter 3.18. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and your patience with us. Lord, we often are given precious gems that you send our way, first and foremost through your word, but also through daily life experience and through those that you place around us. Lord, help us to be gracious receivers. Help us to anticipate truth. And Lord, help it not just to be so that we can be excited because it was some new thing, but Lord, so that we can be doers of the work as well, doers of the word. And so Father, I pray that we would keep this spirit of being teachable in the days ahead. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.